Good morning, everybody. Yeah, uh, let's go to Matthew 7, everybody's favorite discussion, judging other people. Yep. I saw y'all staring at my tennis shoes. I know what you're doing. I wore them on purpose just to test your spiritual acuity. Just kidding. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. We're going to be there today. I need my phone for an illustration here in a moment, so I'm going to keep it right there. We'll jump in. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. We're going to talk about judgment, and we're going to talk about discernment. Okay? Judgment and discernment. Because that's what Jesus is talking about in this passage. Judgment and discernment. So you and I, we live, my perspective, don't judge me, uh, in a day where I think it's more difficult or more challenging or requires more of us to speak truth in love, okay? To speak the content of what is true in a manner of, and from a motivation and in a manner where what you say is perceived as coming from a place of love. I think that's really hard to, to do today in particular. It's hard in general, but it's, it's harder, I think, in, in, our, in, our, in our time. I, in other words, I'd, let me put it to you a different way. It's never been so important that we pay attention to how we say something, not just what you say, that the manner, the tone, the motivation, the context, all that's always mattered, but I think now we live in a time where it's just really, really hard to do that well and that that matters more. And I think it's because we do so much more of our communication with digital words than we do with our faces and our voices and in our presence with other people, right? So you've got emails, tweets, texts, posts, all the like. And just when you throw the words out there, we are shifting the burden of understanding your heart, understanding your tone, understanding your motive, understanding your manner. Your, your manner. You're putting all the burden on the reader, on the recipient, to know those things about you without looking at your face, without hearing your voice, without looking in your eyes. And even in a video, that's not great, okay, because... That could be a marketing move or whatever, right? You could just be putting on a, on a show. So by not being clear, by not choosing the right methods for communicating the things that we need to communicate, we're putting far too much burden on the understanding of this message on the recipient. In other words, we are putting the burden on that person to judge your message based on their first read or to discern from your message, what maybe you meant or maybe you didn't. It's discerning and judging. This is the text if you have found yourself in that conundrum. Okay? If you have struggled in any of your relationships with being misunderstood, this is the text for you. Okay? If you find yourself keeping your distance from someone because you often walk away from them feeling like you're a terrible person, this is for you. If you generally find that no one has it together as much as you do, this text is for you. If you are very comfortable with judging books by their covers and you think you are good at it, this text is for you. Okay? 
And if you want to be more of an encouragement to the people that you meet, this text is for you. Okay? Will you stand with me and read? Uh, we're going to read Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Let's stand. Do not judge. This is Jesus talking. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. For you will be judged by the same standard with which you judge others, and you will be measured by the same measure you use. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye, and look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye? Hypocrite, first... Take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. Don't give what is holy to dogs, or toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet, turn, and tear you to pieces. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. All right. There are two commandments in this passage. Two commandments. The first one is do not judge. And the second one is implied, learn to discern. So we're do not judge, command number one. Command number two, learn to discern. So number one, let's take those at a time. Do not, do not judge. What does Jesus mean when he uses the term judging? What's he referring to? It's almost as if you, I mean, you could say, depending on what you think the word means, you could say that Jesus is judging people who are judging. Does that mean we can't do that? Like, you could just dance all the way around this and get caught up in a whirlwind of, of relativism and never actually come to a meaning. But the clarity is really important to understand what Jesus means when he says, do not judge. Okay, define judge, Jesus. Well, this is not hard because we have the, the Bible and we have, um, we have lots of other texts that we could look at. But let me just tell you, first of all, what it, what it doesn't mean, okay? You are not judging, first of all, if you have an opinion. If you've got an opinion, you are not being, you are not judging in a way that Jesus would condemn in this passage, okay? You're, ma- you're making a judgment, but you are not judging in the way that Jesus condemns in this passage. So when I say from a state of place of opinion that C.D. Lamb of the Dallas Cowboys is going to be the best wide receiver in the NFL in 2022. I'm not judging him in the sense that Jesus means here. I'm just, I'm just giving an opinion. It's an informed opinion. It's a probably true opinion. Um, certainly better than anybody that plays for the commanders, Gillette's. But I'm not judging in the way that Jesus is speaking about here. Okay? I mean, if you think about it, and I have, building an NFL fantasy team is basically building one huge opinion board about every NFL player and team. So you're, are you judging when you play NFL fantasy football? No, not in the way that Jesus is speaking about here. So you can have an opinion, okay? Only positive opinions about the Cowboys while we're in preseason, please, okay? Okay? So that's not judging. Jesus is not judging opinions. Okay? You can have a conviction. When Jesus says, do not judge, he's not saying that you can't have a conviction. Now, this is, this is the spot, isn't it? Like, this is really prevalent. So, under the guise 
that there is some sort of higher calling related to peace or, or quiet or unity or just keeping everybody in agreement, we are often told in this day and age that you cannot judge somebody. You cannot judge anything. Virtually everything becomes a secondary or tertiary issue in order to keep the peace, in order to have unity. Okay, Jesus is not supportive of that mindset. We talked about that when it comes to being peacemakers versus peacekeepers. But if something is unbiblical and something is unjust or something is immoral, you are not judging in the sense deemed wrong by Jesus here when you disagree with that situation and you stand up for truth. Okay, you're not being judgmental in a way that Jesus condemns. You're making a judgment, but you are not judging in the way that Jesus condemns in this passage. Okay? So there, there are other ways, but I think these are the two most common that we, we have here. Okay, so you can have an opinion and you can have a conviction and you're not being condemned by Jesus or corrected by Jesus or uh, adjusted by Jesus um, in this passage. Okay, but, So that's what it doesn't mean, but what does it mean? Okay, Here is the sentence that I've contrived, and I, uh, I derived this from the wonderful Martin Lloyd-Jones, uh, British pastor. Jesus means that we may not condemn others from a position of self-righteousness with a hypercritical spirit. Okay? When Jesus says, do not judge, he means do not condemn from a position of self-righteousness with a hypercritical spirit. The kind of judging of others that Jesus commands us to avoid is rooted in a feeling of superiority over others. It's rooted in the mindset that we, in that moment, are the standard. That we are the plumb line. That, and in that moment, we become all too eager to hold other people in contempt for not meeting our standard. Okay? So when we judge them, we speak to them in a derogatory way. We grow even to despise them for their lack of not meeting our standard. And we actually can even come to the place where we delight in the criticism that we hold over them. That's like the end of the road. It feels really good and it makes you smile in a rather mean way that so-and-so has failed to meet your standard. And even worse, if you just want to just tease this out a little bit, if you find yourself waking up in the mornings and looking, going about through your day looking for the opportunity to feel this way, okay, that, that you, I think if we were all honest, we would all raise our hands and say, been there, okay. That's what Jesus is condemning here. Condemning others from a position of self-righteousness with a spirit that's hypercritical, okay? So one of the board games that I've played a few times over the years is a game called Taboo. Have you played this game? Have you played this game? So it goes like this. One person on a team is given a card, and at the top of the card is one word. And the, the, the person that's given this card is supposed to describe this word at the top so that the other people on her team can guess the word, okay? 
but underneath the big word are a list of other words. And the words on this list are forbidden. The person doing the describing cannot use the words underneath to get their team members to guess the word at the top. All right? So if the main word up top is pie, and you've got a team of people, and you're trying to get them to guess the word pie, but underneath there are words like crust, filling, cherry, pumpkin, and you can't use those words to describe pie. Okay, so you're really limited in what you can do. Okay, and to verify that the person doesn't use those words, there's a member of the other team standing over your shoulder looking at the card with you. And if you use one of those words to describe pie, they have a, they have a buzzer and they just go, Right? That happens a lot when I play this game. Okay, that's enough. Right? This is what Jesus is saying about judging. It's, it's what it means to condemn others from a position of self-righteousness and a hypercritical spirit. It's to put yourself in a position of judge and going throughout your day and somebody does something and in your heart you go... You get it? Okay. And this... This is, can be super minor, or it can be really terribly bitter and awful. So yesterday, no, Friday, sorry, Jonathan and I were in uh, Wheaton, Illinois, visiting Wheaton College. Beautiful place, wonderful school. And we had an admissions counselor who has been doing it nine years. Um, and she was at, you know, in her 30s, maybe. And, um, and it just kind of seemed like maybe she wasn't prepared. Maybe her heart wasn't in it. Um, there were just, you, you could, you could you know, there were other tours going on. You could hear like we were not getting the A experience. We were getting the C experience. And we're at the premier, globally premier Christian liberal arts education institution. Okay. So it was just kind of, so Jonathan and I, because we are who we are, we're having this conversation like, Maybe, maybe we're not getting the A experience, and maybe it's her fault, right? So now we're in this place of like we're we're disappointed, and now we're now I am we're stepping. In, I'm not going to speak for Jonathan. I'll speak for me. I was stepping to the place of I'm judging this woman. Okay, that that was going on in my in my heart, and it, and this is where it triggered for me. And and this is and I even told Jonathan, well, I've got my illustration for Sunday. Okay. So we're in the science building, and there is a um, mastodon that has been excavated several years ago by Wheaton students in a town about 15 or 20 minutes away. Like, it's the largest complete fossil of a mastodon that I had incorrectly labeled as a stegosaurus. Those two didn't even look alike. Like, I was so wrong, it wasn't even funny. Thank you, Jonathan, for not judging your father. He's like, um, Dad, that is not... Okay, anyway, so it's a mastodon, okay? And, um, and, and she says his name, and, we, and she said that, you know, this mastodon is actually our mascot. We actually have a mascot, like in their logo, that is this elephant-looking mastodon. And his name is Tor. And then somebody asked from the crew, like, is there, and they're the Wheaton Thunder, okay? So they're the Wheaton Thunder, and the mascot is a mastodon whose name is Tor. That's what she says, Tor. So 
another father raised his hand and said, Hey, is, is there any relationship between the Greek god Thor and the, uh, and the Wheaton Thunder and his name? And she says, You know what? I don't, I don't think there is. That, I've never heard that before, but maybe you've made a, made a connection. And so we walked for about a minute, and I, and I said this to Jonathan, like, y'all, I, this, I was, it was Matthew 7 on full display. I'm going to get judged. We'll get to this. this is, I'm, I'm going to have to stand for this, okay, by the same standard. I said, what are the odds, Jonathan? Do you remember me telling you this? I said, what are the odds that Tor is actually spelled T-H-O-R and she doesn't know it? I judged right. I'm judging her woman's until I, are y'all like, I'm going to fire me when I get done? Like, maybe you under, like, I'm, I'm just assuming that you all have made the same mistake before. Okay. And I, and I, and I said, that's got to be it. That's got to be it. And then I looked it up and I was dead wrong. I was dead wrong. No, it really is Tor. It's because he's a Mastodon and they're the Latin name for it is like Crestator or whatever. So they call him Tor in the thunder is just because he's such a large animal when he runs it and makes the earth shake like thunder does and all thing and I was rebuked by the Lord on the sidewalk and I told Jonathan well there's my illustration that's really simple internal nobody ever had to know that except for Jonathan I'm telling you because I want you to search your heart for those moments where you have judged from a position of self-righteousness and in a way that's minorly or majorly hypercritical. Does it even really matter where it's toward or what does it matter? It's hypercritical. It's hypercritical. So judging can involve passing really subtle condemnation on someone else's looks or their intelligence or their entertainment preferences or their parenting philosophy or their schooling decisions or their lifestyle or their spending choices. It could simply be thinking just a little less of someone because they don't share the same similarities with you. And by the way, you know what that means, right? It means when we judge somebody because they don't share the same similarities as us, what we're saying is, man, I wish that person was made in my image. Right? I wish that person could remind me of myself more. Yeah, I mean, that's what judging is. You make yourself the standard and you say, I wish that person looked more like me because I am awesome. So that's what it could look like. Now, why don't you do that? Why should we not do that? Okay. Well, Jesus, remember, Sermon on the Mount, Beatitudes. That's where we are. We're applying the Beatitudes. There's, is anything more contrary? I've said this like every time we've come to, to, to a thing through Matthew 5 and 6. But is anything more contrary to empty of self and meekness than worship of self and hoping everybody else can live up to that standard? Right? But, you know, Jesus doesn't take that dive right here. It's implied through the text. Jesus doesn't give temporal reasons why you shouldn't judge. He doesn't give earthly reasons, although there's some good ones there. He gives eternal reasons why you shouldn't judge. Okay? Look at the very end of verse 1. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. So we don't judge because when we do, we expose ourselves to judgment. Jesus says that we should not judge because when we do so, we are exposing ourselves to judgment. Here's what that means. Every Christian is going to face a day of judgment. 
Okay? We're still Christians. We are justified by faith. We have assurance of our salvation. There's going to come a time where all people, Christians included, are going to face a day of judgment. And so what Jesus is pointing out is that judging others need not be on the list of things that we get judged by or judged for. Don't judge lest you be judged specifically about judging. Okay? So we don't want to do it for the eternal reason of that being on the list of things that which God judges us by. And it is on the list for me. Number two, don't judge because when you do, you are setting a standard for your own judgment. Look at, look at verse two. You will be judged by the same standard by which, excuse me, with which you judge others and you will be measured by the same measure you use, Okay. Now, Jesus is not just saying, boy, that's the pot calling the kettle black, Rob. Right? He's not saying, you know, if you're going to live by that sword, you're going to die by that sword. Right? He's not saying, oh, you're going to get paid back with your own money. What he's saying is that in the final judgment, in that final judgment, God will use that very own standard that I have used to judge others. And the irony is I can't measure up to it either. So it exposes us in the final judgment. It sets a standard for our own judgment. And verses 3 through 5, we are incapable of judging rightly anyway. Very practical. Look at verses 3 through 5. Why do you look at the splinter in your brother's eye, but don't notice the beam of wood on your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye? And look, there's a beam of wood in your own eye. Hypocrite. First take the beam of wood out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take the splinter out of your brother's eye. You know, the great irony is that the best way to not judge others is to more accurately and thoroughly judge ourselves. And if we will truly see ourselves, then we are far less likely to judge anyone else wrongly in a way that Jesus condemns. So we don't judge. It's contrary to the values of the citizens of the kingdom of God. It exposes us on the final day of judgment. It sets a standard for that judgment. And by the way, we are terrible at it. Okay? But we are supposed to be good at something that might be confused with judgment. And it's not, but it's not. It's discernment. Okay? It's the practice of discernment. Look at verse 6. The first command is do not judge, but the second command is learn to discern. Jesus says, don't give what is holy to dogs. Toss your pearls before pigs, or they will trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. So no sooner does Jesus tell us not to judge than does he tell us not to be naive. We're not throwing discernment out the window Right with judgment, with the, with the condemnation and the self-righteousness and the hypercritical spirit. We're getting rid of that, we are not also giving away the responsibility and the need and the wisdom to discern. We don't want to be naive. Okay. Now to you and I, you might read this passage about dogs and it will conjure up an image of your favorite breed. Okay. 
So I, I, you know, I immediately just think about Roman, who you know, did not eat for seven days last week, and I thought, what in the world? My dog is going to starve to death, but he has managed to survive. Praise the Lord. Okay. But that's not what you should come to your mind when you hear the word dog in the Old Testament. Okay? Because in the ancient world, dogs lived in squalor. They ran the streets. They scavenged for food. And to refer to a person as a dog was a grave insult. Okay? It, you, you were effectively reducing that person's status to the lowest possible social class, okay? to the lowest possible scale. Pigs. You might think of pigs and go, aw. Like I think of Arthur, Arthur the pig. Arthur the pig lived in Cashers, North Carolina. He lived on the horse, uh, the equestrian farm that we would go to when I was a kid from five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. We'd go horseback riding. And he was just gigantic. I mean, just gigantic. And of course, finally, he was, uh, he was slaughtered. I, that's not what you should think of, okay? That really you know, cute, you know, Charlotte's Web situation. That's just not what's, what's going on here, okay? In Jesus' day, pork was a very highly prized food, but uh, the Jews rejected it. Some of the Egyptians actually rejected it because pigs, like dogs, were scavengers, okay? And um, they would sometimes even eat just dead, rotting flesh, and they were very dangerous because they would ravage the fields and they'd run wild in the streets. And they, there are documented reports of them killing children as they just ran wild through the street. Okay? Um, so, and sometimes pigs if, and dogs, if they were so hungry and desperate, they would absolutely attack a child or adult that they felt like they could take. Pigs and dogs, both. Okay? So then you have this phrase in this text where Jesus says, don't give, underline the words, what is holy, and that goes parallel with pearls, right? So you have, you have dogs and pigs are not to be given what is holy. They are not to be given pearls. So what is pearls? Pearls symbolizes the value of the message of the citizenship of the kingdom of heaven. It is, in a nutshell, it's the gospel. And so what Jesus is saying is, as you go about doing your life, something so valuable as the gospel, something so valuable as the message of kingdom of heaven should... Are you ready for this? This is crazy. Should not be given to those who have no appreciation for the truth that you're telling them. Who by their nature demonstrate a rejection and a hatred and an animosity and could turn around and hurt you as you bring it to them. So what is Jesus saying here? He's not breaking his own teaching about judging. Jesus is not being derogatory toward human beings who may or may not... He's not talking about social scale with regard to dogs and, and pigs. Jesus is not name-calling, okay? And Jesus' disciples are not judging people to be beasts, but what they are doing is describing reality. Like I said, this is why I started with the illustration I did at the very beginning, or, or the premise, right? You can get in a lot of trouble just describing reality and be labeled as somebody who is judging others. And, but Jesus describes reality, and he uses language that everybody there can understand to describe that reality. He's just using very clear terms and metaphors that everybody would get. 
So when Jesus' disciples, that's you and I, we're not to judge others from a place of self-righteousness, but we are to discern whether or not some of the people we are sharing Jesus with have, by their actions, demonstrated themselves to be enemies of the kingdom of heaven. Okay? Jesus is urging us to learn to discern. Jesus is warning us not to be so taken in by the zeal of proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven that we get swallowed up by someone whose only intent is to mock, ridicule, persecute, injure, or worse. Okay? You have to discern. He would do this with his disciples later. He would send them out. The 70 would just send them out. He says, look, you get there and they give you a lot of grief. Shake off your debt and, get, and go on. So Jesus in this passage is condemning a fault-finding spirit. He's he is condemning a readiness to blame others for their quote-unquote offenses. Maybe they're matters of indifference like how you pronounce Tor or spell Tor. Maybe he's talking about a passing uh, of hasty judgments. Maybe he's talking about a disposition that you have to magnify the errors of others and make the worst of them. That's what he's condemning. And so what this means is, Jesus, this corrective calls us to open our eyes to see and our heart to love long before we open our mouths, okay? That we need to just take a breath when we want to, when we want to reign superior. Take a breath. Consider just for the moment that maybe you don't have all the answers and all the perspective and all the standards and figure out a way to love that person, whether you've just met them or you've known them a long time. That, that, that we should be striving to encourage more than we criticize. Okay. One, one theologian I read asked, asked it this way. He said, if you could make a list of each person that you criticized last week and a list of each person that you encouraged, which list would be longer? Right. Would your closest friends describe you as someone who is more fluent in the language of criticism or in the language of encouragement? I am judging that theologian right now. In discernment, we are not to give what is holy to the... Okay. Go back to Matthew 5, right? Love your enemies. Okay, go the extra mile. Where is that, Jesus? Yeah. And then you have the, the old saying, like, never try to teach a pig to sing. It wastes your time and annoys the pig. I don't know if you've heard that. But, and, but the, the fact of the matter is you will have the opportunity to make this discernment. So there are going to be people in your life that you think are dogs or pigs, but they're going to respond to the pearl. Okay? So I'm not, Jesus is not saying make a, don't make a, what he's saying is don't make a hasty judgment. If you want to put these two verses together, don't make a hasty judgment. Jesus saw way more potential in tax collectors and Gentiles than he did the religious establishment. Way more potential. Way more than they even saw in themselves. And yet, and yet, be discerning. Be discerning. Okay. And let's pray. So, Father, we, um, you're a good God. 
We want your name to be great in our lives. We, we want to be a church that, that when we are judged and stand before you, ready to enter into the kingdom of God, that we can with some, that we, we can in that judgment say we, we, heard, we heard your teaching in the Bible, Jesus, about judgment and judging others. And we heard your teaching about discernment and, and needing to be careful. And, and so, Lord, we just ask that you would give us the, the, the grace and the, whole, and the Spirit's power that we need to, to obey this text. And how refreshing, how refreshing to a lost world would it be for a church, the actual people in this church, not, 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 not organizations, right, Lord? We're talking about the, the people. That's wonderful. That 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 have some to, to be people who um, who are not self righteous and hypercritical. Lord, we are so scared as Christians about being right, about putting the culture in its place to to do what we know. It says, but we do it with such self righteousness and sub, such such a hypercritical spirit. Lord, help us be truth and love. Not judging and placing ourselves others, but, but serving. And yet, Lord, we know that that can be taken advantage of. And so when those moments have, give us the discernment to know that we've got a dog and pig situation and we need not give pearls to either. That we can speak the truth in love and, and then leave it to the sovereignty of God. Help us to do this. Help us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.